0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Thank you so much for coming. We will continue tonight with our discussion of the Paramatma Sundarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami, the third of his Sundarbhas, six Sundarbhas, Sat And we'll begin this evening by a few concluding remarks. Uh, from the introduction, and then we will proceed to the very first Danacheta. As we know, progress in spiritual life requires, has three different aspects. It has sambandha, uh, knowledge, the relationships, and in the case of spiritual life, sambandha refers to the relationship between ourselves, and the supreme absolute truth. An interesting uh, analogy is given in the uh, introduction by Sachin Narayan Das. He says, the Sindarbas are like a GPS system. They inform us about Sambanda where we are, Abideya how to get to our destination, and Prayojan where that destination is located. So, Of the first four sandharvas, he puts forth that the Paramatma sandharva, which we're now embarking upon, is the most significant. Uh, There's a lot of spiritual uh, traditions where the emphasis is not so much on where you are at, but what the process is and what the goal is. But uh, without a full understanding of exactly where we stand, uh, it's difficult to get our bearings. Imagine being lost in a forest. If you didn't know in what forest you were and where in the forest you were, uh, simply going in some direction, having a goal to get out of the forest probably is going to be pretty difficult for you. If you don't know which way to go, north, south, east, or west, how can you possibly reach a a final destination? So Sambandagyana is like us uh, as spiritual uh, aspirants, uh, transcendentalists. We we need to know exactly where we stand. Uh, What is our true nature? Uh, What is the nature of ourself? What is the nature of the supreme self? And what's the nature of, well, quite basically the predicament that we find ourselves in at this time? A foreign, or basically like a, uh, a foreigner uh, lost in a, in a land that's not his own. So... This Paramatma Sundarbha is extremely significant, and as we mentioned, it is the most philosophical of all the sundarbas. so there's going to be a lot of detailed knowledge here, and I would recommend you uh, to uh, learn as much about the forest as you can and the trees contained in, therein, but don't become discouraged if it's overwhelming at times, and I do ask for questions at the end, and I'll do my best to to answer any inquiries you have regarding the information we put forth. Uh, and we gloss everything from what Jiva Goswami has presented, and we try to give an explanation that's applicable to our time and our circumstance. His time was a little different, but not that much different, and in the relationship to eternal time, well, we're definitely very close together. Five hundred years is not a long time looking when we look at eternity. So um, the truths contained in this Paramatma can uproot a lot of the misconceptions that we have regarding ourselves, regarding the different uh, manifestations of the Supreme Lord, and specifically um, concerning a a true understanding of how the material energy works and how we're not this material energy. And that's kind of where we're going to begin tonight with the very first Anujjada. So, I'll read... uh, a little laundry list here of 13 uh, essential points that we're going to be discussing in the Paramatma Sandhartha. Uh So you'll have something to look forward to. Um, Paramatma Sandarbha is going to give us information about uh, the difference between the Paramatma and Bhagavan manifestations of Tattva. Here when we're speaking Tattva we're to- talking of the Supreme Absolute Truth. So that Supreme Personality, as we understand transcendence, uh, has different manifestations. Uh, two, the three primary manifestations of Paramatma and their functions. Three, the role of the three Gula avatars, properly known as the Hindu Trilogy and their relative positions. The difference between the Jiva and Atma. The inherent nature of the Atma. Maya and its various functions. The relationship between Maya and the Jiva. The mystery behind the bondage and release of the Jiva. The dynamics involved in the evolution of the cosmos. Examination of the nature of the world as real or unreal, the intent behind the acts of creation, sustenance, and dissolution of the cosmos, exploration of the question as to why God does not relieve the suffering of humanity, and the last subject, the unbiased nature of God. Now, one of these in the list caught my attention. So I, of course, jumped ahead, had to know exactly what was being referred to. Uh, One of the items was the difference between the jiva and atma. So I just noted one footnote that kind of explains what Jiva is going to expand upon here. Uh, There it is said that the Jiva is conditioned by the mind and thus bound to the material world. The pure, unbound, unconditioned being is called the Atma, whereas the conditioned being is called the Jiva. So at least in the Sandharvas, we see that Jiva makes a distinction between the Jiva and the Atma. The Jiva being conditioned by the modes of material nature and the Atma being free of any conditioning. So that when Prabhupada would say that the soul is always pure, he was referring to the Atma. Yes. Yeah, we'll see how Jiva presents it in full and what Praman or evidence he uses to support his position. It's just a way to refer to our individual self. So the individual self conditioned by material nature is generally referred to as the jiva and the individual self free of the modes of material nature is referred to as the atma. But then we have what? The Jivan Mukta, which is a Jiva who's liberated, but he's still located within the modes of material nature, like Sukadev Goswami, a man walking nude in the world, unaffected by anything at all. Uh, Their condition is extremely uh, unique, is it not? They require no food, no drink. They're just—they're still—they still have a material body, but they're free of any of the trappings of the body. Also, uh, it's mentioned at the end of the conclusion that uh, this particular philosophical presentation of Paramatma Sandarbha is probably the most comprehensive explanation that so lucidly explains the nature of the Atma, Paramatma, Maya, and the cosmos, Jigat. Uh, And of course, the nature of this presentation is the primary Praman or evidence, of course, is Vedantic in nature and is the mature commentary on the Vedas, uh, specifically on the Vedanta Sutra, which is the Condensed essence of the Upanishadic statements and presented in, uh, you know, the Vedanta Sutra or the Brahma Sutra, that Sutra upon which every sampradaya uh, puts forth a philosophical conclusion, and from those conclusions a sampradaya arises. So, both from the, uh, so the primary praman. For, of course, this Paramatma Siddhartha is the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavat Purana, And uh, it's truly a, a guidebook for uh, all transcendentalists, transcendentalists, but in particular, Gaudiya Vaishnavas, uh, who have adopted uh, that perspective, the personal perspective, the Bhagavad perspective. So we're going to continue here to the very first Danucheta. Um Before, of course, any uh, transcendentalist uh, puts forth anything in writing of significance, uh, they offer homage. So Jiva does begin the Paramatmasandarbha with particular homage. It reads as follows, For the pleasure of the two sages... Srila Rupa Goswami and Srila Sanatan Goswami, I am rearranging this book compiled by Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami, who was born in South India. He goes on, Some parts of this book were in order and some out of order, while others were incomplete or missing. After thorough deliberation, Sri Jiva now writes, in the appropriate order. Now, this particular Mangalacharna is taking uh, actually three verses from the from the Mangalacharya charna that was presented in the first of the Sundarbas, uh, the Tattva Sandarbha. Um, so that that Mangalacharna at the beginning of the tattva consists of a, uh, consists of it sorry consisted of eight verses and if we if you want we could go back and review those but the reason the more comprehensive Mangalacharna at the beginning of that work is truly Jiva is considering all his all the sandarbhas all six as one presentation. So, after invoking the blessings of his uh, spiritual masters and putting forth the purpose of this particular uh, Sandarbha, uh, he goes forward. So, Sambanda for us, Sambandha-gyan, the knowledge of relationship, is between the absolute reality, sometimes referred to as tattva, the absolute tattva, the topmost tattva or understanding, knowledge. Remember in the beginning of the tattva Sandharva, Jiva Goswami said, What's knowable? The epistemology, what's the nature of being, and what's knowable about being of the nature of being. And uh, he took great care to uh, to whittle down all the different methodologies, at least those methodologies as they're put forth in Indian culture of uh, acquiring knowledge. So we can acquire knowledge through our senses. That's where most of us begin. We have knowledge-acquiring senses, and we take in knowledge from the world around us. And from that knowledge, we can infer other knowledge. Uh, I put my hand in a fire and it was hot. So there's another fire. If I put my hand in that fire, it probably also will be hot. I can infer that fires in general have that characteristic, that quality. So Jiva went through all the different methods of acquiring knowledge. I mean, we even even hand gestures in India are considered knowledge. I mean, I can tell you of one hand gesture over here in this, you know, fallen society that everybody knows, <laughs> and another. But we invite the Lord with hand gestures. We perform mudras, you know, uh, in different ways. Uh, Uh, in the ritualistic aspect of even Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, this was all explained uh, in the Sandarbha. So, when we hear Tattva, sometimes in the explanations going forward, we're referring to the entire, the essence of Tattva. So, when we say Tattva, well, there's only one real Tattva, if you were to boil it down, and that's the supreme absolute truth. Uh, in our case, uh, specifically looking to the uh, Vedanti Vedanti verse, Vedanti Tat Tatva Vidas, Tattvamyas Janamadvayam, Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti Subjate, uh Brahmati, Bhagavaniti Subjate. Uh, our absolute truth is the Bhagavan a- aspect of that non-dual absolute. Uh, so the cosmos is a manifestation of two of the energies of the Supreme, specifically the tatasta Shakti or the marginal energy and His extrinsic potency, uh, which we commonly refer to as Maya. So those are the basis for the manifestation of the cosmos. Those two energies. So to understand Sambanda, we need to know specifically to know where we are. We need to know what is our in a relationship with the external energy. Paramatma Sandharva focuses upon the individual beings and primordial nature. And Paramatma, of course, is a manifestation, a partial manifestation of the Supreme Tatva or the Absolute Truth. It's important to understand that it's a partial manifestation Paramatma does not display all of, the, all of the potencies that constitute Bhagavan. But he's still absolute in nature. Paramatma was defined by Srila Jiva Goswami in the last Sandarbha as follows. When this tattva, in the form of Bhagavan, which has all the above stated qualities, Jiva had just expounded upon all the qualities of Bhagavan, and is the complete manifestation of the absolute reality, is described or realized as the controller, regulator of living beings by the process described before, and again he's referring back to what knowledge he provided us in the Bhagavata Sundarbha. He is called Paramatma, or God is the Supreme Eminent. So the defining characteristic of Paramatma is his ashvarya, his controlling and his regulating of the material manifestation, of the cosmos, as it's commonly referred to in this Sundarbha. So the individual atma or jivatma in relationship to the material manifestation is never fully independent, either in a conditioned or a liberated state. He's always dependent. It's also explained that uh, paramatma exists both within the material world and by kunta. But the Vaikuntha Paramatma is Bhagavan himself. Whereas in the material world, there is a special Paramatma form of the Lord in different aspects which this Sundarva will elaborately explain. But in three specific aspects as was mentioned in the introduction uh, as the Macrocosmic, Metacosmic, the Big Cosmic, the Macrocosmic, and the Micro. Microcosmic. So this is the subject of the Sindarvas. So now we'll go to what Jiva presents in the first Anucheda. The first Anucheda constitutes a considerable amount of the, uh, uh, the book that we're studying from to prepare these classes it's uh, a little over 40 pages for the very first Anicceda. Um and it's deve- it's uh, broken into three parts we'll try to cover some of the first part this evening uh, it's quite extensive so the first part could be roughly called Paramatma defined what is Paramatma uh, and we this, the beginning of the definition is paramatma is So Jiva begins, now Paramatma will be explained. Although the Paramatma aspect of Bhagavan exists in Vaikuntha also, even that Paramatma is just a function of Bhagavan himself. For this reason, Paramatma is said to be that feature of Bhagavan that pertains specifically to the cosmos. As such, in the following two verses, by first describing the nature of the individual being, the jiva, who is involved in the cosmos, Jad Bharat spe- specifies the nature of Paramatma to King Rahugna. So, to understand the controller, because we're defining Paramatma in this first Aniceta, we also have to understand the controlled. If there's a controller, well, what's what's he exerting his control over? So in order to begin there in defining Paramatma, to say what he is and and point out he is this because this is where he exerts his control. Uh, Jiva Goswami uses a Bhagavatam verse, Bhagavatam, of course, is his primary praman or his primary evidence uh, when it comes to uh, all these different matters of of, uh, spiritual truth that he presents. So, the verse goes as follows. I think we covered everything. Is Is there any questions regarding this opening paragraph? The nature of Paramahma. Okay, we'll proceed. This is the verse um, as tra- translated into English by the author. And it's in two parts, as Jiva Goswami points out. There's two verses here spoken by Judd Bharat uh, to King Rahugana. Uh, I won't at this time go into the meeting of these two uh, great souls and uh, we could refer back to the Bhagavad and the context to, to do that, but I think everyone should now have some knowledge of uh, uh, Judd Bharat being a, an avidut in the material society and, uh, and uh, everything that he went through by being completely transcendental and indifferent to, to those around him. Uh, not indifferent uh, in a... Compassionate way, because that's what got him in trouble with the king in the first place. Uh, he showed uh, deference deference to the to the small insects on the pathway. He was employed as a palanquin carrier for the king, and uh, because one of the other palanquin carriers uh, couldn't could no longer perform his duties, so they saw Jud Barat and he was a he's a big big Gentleman and very stout and strong and well, he could easily carry a palanquin with the king on it. So they said, "Here, you take this this other gentleman's position and carry the palanquin." Uh, so he took up the position, but he's as he's carrying the palanquin, he would he would be very careful not to step on any uh, bugs, uh, and in doing so, insects, ants. Uh, uh, in doing so, the the ride was a little choppy for the king and he became a little uh, disturbed by that. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, he chastised Judbarat. Judbarat mm-hmm. took the chastisement in all humility and continued, but he didn't stop <laughs> taking care of the of other living entities on the footpath and, uh, this kind of got the king upset and the king started to chastise Judd. Now this is, the king, if you, don't, if you don't do what the king says, well, you know, I'm sure you all saw Alice in Wonderland. It could be off with your head. <laughs> so uh, the king uh, actually got down off the palanquin and and confronted Judd and uh, Judd Barrett started answering his questions with all these spiritual, uh, what would you say? I mean, they were, they were just amazing statements of, of the nature of spirit and the nature of man, and you're the king today, and I could be the king tomorrow. What makes you the king? What makes puts you in a position superior to me? Except circumstance, providence, and providence can change from day to day and all these other statements. So this statement that we're going to read from is one of the statements. Imagine at the end of hearing all these statements, the king fell on the ground in front of this someone who really looked like a vagrant in society, except he was big and powerful, but he you know, he wasn't properly dressed, he wasn't had no position in society. He was, you know, Quite frankly, he probably looked like a madman uh, to, to others. But after hearing these statements, and after he, he wanted to hear more, and he became he immediately fell down and said, Please enlighten me. I can see you really know about the nature of being, and I can see that I know nothing in comparison to your knowledge. Please enlighten me. So he became uh, basically the student of Jadbarat, his disciple uh, right there on the spot. So we're reading from that dialogue. That dialogue is put forth in the Srimad Bhagavatam and these are two of the verses and they're being used as the evidence by Jiva Goswami to point out the nature of Paramatma. But the first of the two shlokas talks about the nature of the Jīvatma, the Jīva. So, the verse begins as follows. The pure knower of the presentational field, Shaitrajna, merely perceives these beginningless modifications of the impure actor, the mind, which is but an adjunct of the empirical self and a product of maya. Its modifications are sometimes manifest in the waking and dream states, and sometimes unmanifest in deep sleep and samadhi. So this first verse is about the self, the pure self who is the observer. And this was the position of Judd Bharat. He wasn't enamored by a flickering mind that goes here and there, isn't attracted or repulsed from this and that. This wasn't his nature. So the pure knower of the presentational field, the pure knower of everything around him, is basically what Jud brought saying. The pure knower merely perceives these beginningless modifications. What are these? These are vibhutis. So he simply, he observes everything around him. Of the impure actor, to be involved with those things makes us an impure actor. So a pure knower simply observes them. Uh, And they're beginning this modifications and we're going to really elaborate on this uh, later because it's it's a source of many misconceptions. Uh, the nature of because we always say, well God created well that's it's he manifests is a better word and we'll get into the, the deeper understanding of that. Uh, what is which is but an adjunct and the word in the verse is upadi. We're familiar with this word. Apati is something that, um, well, I'll read the explanation from the footnotes of Apati so we can understand it fully. An Apati, or adjunct, is that which does not belong to the essential nature of an entity or object, but is external to it. However, because the adjunct is somehow superimposed upon the object, the object becomes to be identified with it. For example, a crystal. If we put a rose near a crystal and we look at the crystal, the crystal going to appear to be red. But its essential nature, the nature of a, a crystal, is it's it's clear it's free of any specific color but it will reflect any color it's put near that reflectiveness that redness that we could see in the crystal that's an opacity that's what our mind does put us in an environment and will we reflect the nature of that environment put us in a mode of ignorance environment and give us some time and pretty sure we'll take on the redness or the ignorance of the surrounding that we're placed in or passion or goodness. That's why we want to hang out with people in the mode of goodness, but not just goodness. Let's go for purified goodness, a goodness that's even above the goodness of the world of man. So it's called Sudhasattva. So those Upatis are those impressions upon the empirical self, the Jiva, are a product of Maya, a product of the external energy of the Supreme. Uh, and those modifications become are mat- sometimes man- manifest. And this speaks to the states of our consciousness. They're manifest in our waking state. We're influenced by our environment in our waking state, and we're also influenced by our impressions of that environment in our dreaming state. But we also have a state of consciousness where there's no upadis or no impressions upon our consciousness. And we refer to that as deep sleep. We have no conscious awareness at that time. So that's what Jad Bharat has pointed out to King Rahugna in this first of the two verses. Also samadhi we can put ourselves in a state of samadhi where there's no impressions of the mind acting upon our consciousness. So that's the explanation of the Jivatma. Now Jad Bharat continues in the verse, the very next verse, to say, the supreme witness of the field is the eminent self, the primordial person, the most ancient who is unmediatingly self-revealing, unborn, the almighty controller, the interior regulator of all beings, inherently endowed with potency, the substratum of all beings, and who is established in his own intrinsic being, by virtue of the potency that is innate to his own being. Now, when you look to this English translation of the verse, I can go back and read it, and read it with the specific Sanskrit terms. So, the supreme witness of the field of activity is the imminent self, the Atma. Atma here referring to Paramatma. As I said, this verse first explains the position of the Jivatma and now the Paramatma. The primordial person. Now understand that the Sanskrit verse, I unfortunately I didn't bring it so I could, can't chant it for you, but all these words that's, that are here in the English translation, of course, are in the verse that Jadbarat sung to King Rahuguna. Sloka. So the primary primordial person, Purusha, the most ancient, Purana, who is unmediately self revealing. Saksad. Swayan jyoti. He he's self revealing. He's self illuminating. The the Jyoti, the, the the illumination isn't coming from an external source. His consciousness itself illuminates other consciousnesses. Um, unborn, Aja. The Almighty Controller, Paresha, The Interior Regulator of All Beings, Narayan. Inherently Endowed with Potency, Bhagavan. The Substratum of All Beings, Vasudev and who is established in his own intrinsic being, Atmani, by virtue of the potency that is innate to his own being, Swamaya. We've heard that before and discussed it. So both, both of them are called Shitrajna. They're both observers of the field of activities. The knower of the presentational field. They're both knowers. Now we're going to go into a detailed explanation of the difference between these two knowers of the field of the cosmic manifestation, the field of action. And that field of action is both internal and external to ourself. Jiva Goswami continues The one who even though pure, perceives these familiar modifications of the mind and upon seeing them becomes identified is known as the jiva. One who identifies with what he perceives in the field of activity, that's a reference to the jiva, the individual soul. He He takes on the upadi; it becomes he he becomes reddish by the environment, even though pure. The jiva is truly pure in its essence. uh, Means although transcendental to maya. The verb vichaste perceives means clearly seeing the phase these familiar presentations, vibhutis, of the mind refers to the modifications, vrittis, of the mind, which is the internal or psychic apparatus generated by the maya of he who is the witness of all fields. The one who even though pure, the one, our self, We're pure. We're truly pure. Even though we're pure, what do we do? We perceive these familiar modifications of the mind. Well, we perceive everything around us. And upon seeing everything around us, we become identified with it. I look in the mirror and I see my image and I say... There I am. That's me. That's who I am. Look in the mirror. Everybody that sees me sees what I'm seeing now in the mirror. That's, that's me. And that's my Ferrari. And that's my speedboat. And that's my mansion. And on and on. We become identified with the presentational field, Kshetra. We are a Kshetrajna. We're absorbing, observing a field so we become associated with the Kshetra around us. Even though pure means, although transcendental to Maya, that's pretty clear, we're not Maya. We're not that reflection in the mirror and we're we're not the, whatever I said, Porsche? No, I said... <laughs> nor the speedboat. <laughs> nor the mansion. Nor the vocation. What about Amasadaka? That's not mixed spiritual vision with... Uh, we're talking about Jivatmas now, not people that are pursuing. So, even though pure uh, and transcendental, so the verb vikaste perceives, we perceive means clearly seeing. The phrase, these familiar presentations of the mind. So, although we're clearly seeing, we have the ability to clearly see, uh, and If we have any knowledge, we know these are rebooties. They're not really, that's not me in the mirror. It's It's a material body. And that's not me, the Ferrari. You just hit me with your car. Your car hit my car. You just hit me. I've done that. I've jumped out of a car and you just smashed into me. Why did, you, why did you run the red light and destroy my brand new car? We can have those kind of associations. That's what's being spoken of here. So, this is all performed by the mind and Jiva's going to elaborate on that. We are simply a witness of the field of activities and that's generated by Maya. Further elaborated i.e., of Bhagavan as the Supreme Eminent Self. So the field of activities is generated by Bhagavan, is what's being said here, who will be described in the next verse. So Jiva is paraphrasing what Jad Bharat has said. Uh, the Jiva is also referred to as a witness of the field, Shetrajna, because it is the knower of the field. Of its own two bodies, psychic and physical. So oh, he, he'll continue, and he will uh, chant this verse, and we'll stop on this verse to explain the nature of the jiva. Bewildered. This is also this is from the Srimad Bhagavatam, also seventh canto. Uh, I'm sorry, first canto, seventh chapter. Bewildered by this extrinsic. Potency, the individual self, although transcendental to the three gunas of material nature, thinks of itself as consisting of the three gunas and thus undergoes the misery resulting from its identification. So we've covered the first couple paragraphs of the Anu Chada. <laughs> 40 pages. Yes. Uh, this is... This, yeah. It's the most philosophical and as I said we will take the time to go through it very methodically and try to draw it out. Otherwise if we just take the, the quick route and read the Anucheta and not fully understand what Jiva Goswami's presenting, not fully understand the purport of the Bhagavatam verses that he's using to substantiate the spiritual truths that he's presenting to us then what kind of student would we be? The cliff notes will not work in this particular uh, regard. And when you read the honor it sounds like Chinese, but when you speak it, it's quite clear, so I appreciate it. Yeah. So are there any questions regarding what we discussed this evening? Thank you so much for your association.